You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Awesome. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet before, my name is Sam, and I serve as one of the pastors at the church. And uh, so good to get to be with you this morning and uh, to get to share from God's word. Open up scripture and, and hopefully see what God would want us to share with us this morning. And so uh, this morning, we actually get the privilege, I, I, I get the privilege of concluding this series that we've been in on prayer. And so uh, we, we, we've talked about all sorts of different aspects of prayer. We talked about uh, listening to God. We talked about talking to God. We talked about, um, what, what are some of the other ones? Experiencing God in the ordinary stuff of life. Last week, we talked about fasting in prayer and how that adds fuel to our prayer life. And then this morning, we're ending on, on kind of a bit of an awkward close. <laughs> we're going to talk about unanswered prayer. And what do we do when it feels like God's just not listening to us? And so we're going to get into scripture pretty quick this morning. And so if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22. And I'm going to actually ask my friend Jonathan to come and to read uh, our teaching text this morning, Psalm 22. And so why don't you come up and join me, Jonathan, and you can turn there while he's coming up. Um, before you read, Jonathan, um, unanswered prayer has been a big part of your journey. And, uh, and so I, I just wonder, could you just share for us what, what's, what's been going on in your world over the last six or seven years? What have you been walking through in, in relation to this? Thanks, Sam. Um, over the last seven years or so, I've been experiencing some really chronic, debilitating stomach pain. And so, you know, about seven years ago, I started experiencing this, and I thought, you know, this is going to be something I go to the doctors for, and then, you know, in a few months or a few weeks, I'm going to be better, and it's going to go on with life. But it, it didn't go that way. It's actually been seven years now where it's a daily struggle. And so um, it impacts all the little things in life. You know, I, some nights I sleep two to three hours because I'm up with pain through the night. Um, you know, the other day I texted a friend saying, like, hey, I can't come tonight. And it was, I looked back at the text, and it was a fourth time in a row I had canceled with them. And I just felt so awkward and uncomfortable and frustrated about my position. And it impacts the bigger things of life, too. You know, several years ago, I, uh, I dropped out of university. And, and over the years, I've been off and on with disability. And so it's been really frustrating as I see friends and, and people I love, you know, grow in their careers and their lives. And, and great things happen. I'm excited for them, but also wondering, like, God, what, what do you have in store for me? And why am I here like this? Thanks for sharing that. And, and it, it's not because of a lack of prayer. Like you've been praying, we've been praying. Jonathan goes to our Mariner campus and so many there have surrounded you in prayer and, uh, and yet we still haven't, haven't received an answer to that prayer. You're still suffering and in a lot of pain. What's that been like for your relationship with God? Yeah, there, you know, there are ups and, ups and downs in that. I think um, there's some days where I just cry out to him and I'm like, God, what, what do you want from me? What is this like? why are you letting me be in this place? And so it's frustrating. In some of those yeah. moments, I feel alone and, and abandoned. But then there are other moments where I feel really known by him, I think. Um, mm. Every morning, I wake up with, with a lot of pain, and I, I feel like the day is going to be impossible. Like, I really don't know if I can do it. And so I have to turn to him and say, like, hey, God, I, I need your help. Like, I actually need it. There's no other option. I need you to help me today to get through the day, to lunch, to dinner, through the rest of the day. And in that coming back to him every day, um, there's been this intimacy and closeness that's formed that um, has been really wonderful, I think. Wow. Um, in bringing that petition and that reliance on him, um, I've really gotten to know his love for me. 
like really know it. And, and that's a love that I don't know if I would have had the chance to experience if he would have answered my prayers and healed me right away. And don't get me wrong, I wish I was healthy every day. Um, but in this place of unanswered prayer, I think I've really gotten to know how he loves me. Wow. And so in, in the mess of it all, in the days that I'm feeling like, you know, I'm frustrated in the days that I'm feeling encouraged, um, one thing I really know is that God wants a journey through with me in the unanswered mm -hmm. prayer. Wow. Dude, I just so appreciate you being willing to share with us. These are not the comfortable moments in life to share with other people, especially on a stage like this. And I can say, having walked with you through a lot of that last few years quite closely, uh, I've been so encouraged uh, by your trust in God in the midst of such difficulty and pain. And uh, it has been such an encouragement, such a witness to my faith as I've seen you cling to Jesus in the midst of these storms. And so I really appreciate you, man. Um, would you read our teaching text? Why don't we stand uh, to read Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tear, tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword my precious life from the power of dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can take a seat. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for sharing. Have you ever felt that way before? The way that the psalmist describes in those words that Jonathan just read for us. Uh, there's a guy named Eugene Peterson who, who wrote a paraphrase of the Bible. It's called the Message Translation. Here's how he paraphrased those first couple verses. He said, God, my God, why do you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with pain, I call to God all day long. No answer. Nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. I so appreciate the honesty of David in this psalm. Because if you've been a Christian for more than a minute, my guess is that you have felt some of these emotions as you've prayed to the Lord before. I call out to you all day long and nothing, there's no answer. 
My first memory with unanswered prayer uh, was when I was a really little kid. And, uh, you know, my parents' relationship was, was rocky at best. And, uh, and there's lots of tension in our home. There's lots of conflict. And I remember as a little kid crying out to God to save my parents' marriage. Like asking him to make my parents love each other again. Begging him to, to not let my family fall apart. And, and I really believed that he could. Like, I really believe that he would hear my prayer and act on my behalf. And as, as the years went on, our home life actually got a lot worse. And conflicts got bigger. And I continued to pray. And I continued to pray. And when I was 14, I remember I was at summer camp all year that year. And uh, I called home one Saturday afternoon in August, only to find out that one of my greatest fears had happened. My parents had decided to separate and divorce and my dad had moved into this little apartment in a town, a neighboring community. I remember the pain I felt in that moment like it was yesterday. I remember feeling like, God, do you even hear me? Like, I've been praying. I've been asking. Do you even care about my family? Do you care about what I'm walking through? And that's only my first encounter with unanswered prayer. If you trace my prayer life all throughout the course of my life, you'll find there are moments where God has absolutely come through for me and has answered prayers in, in, in some of the most amazing ways, greater than I could have ever asked or imagined. And there's other moments where I'm just left asking, why? Like, where are you in the midst of my pain and my sorrow? Are you even listening to me? I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that before. I'd imagine you have felt some of those, those things that the psalmist talks about in Psalm 22, like alone and forgotten and confused at the seeming silence. How do we make sense of these moments in life? Like we know that God does answer prayer. Gosh, even in the life of our church, I don't know if you've been tracking with this story, but Pastor John Hawes, our worship pastor, last week at our Mariner campus, we got to celebrate with great joy that God has healed his body, has restored him, and so much faster. He had this lung thing that was going on, and he was on a ventilator on life support just a few short months ago, and we were able to see God completely heal his body. And so last week at our Mariner campus was filled with so much joy as we celebrated John was back. And so there's these moments of, of great healing and, and where God seems to move in power in our world and in our lives. But here's the challenge. I would imagine that there's a whole other group of people, maybe everyone in this room has experienced a story or knows someone who's experienced a story that has, has ended so much differently to John's. Like maybe the celebration of John's recovery that you saw even on social media. Maybe it made you ask questions about your own life or about the life of a loved one. Like why not them? God, why not me? Why won't you hear me? Why does God seem so quick to answer one prayer while leaving another one devastatingly unanswered? Why hasn't God healed Jonathan Toes? We've been praying for him. We've, we've, been, we've been crying out to God with the same zeal that we prayed for John, John Hawes. And yet most days he's still in excruciating pain. How do we make sense of unanswered prayer in our own lives? Especially in light of Jesus' words in John 14 where he says, ask anything in my name and he'll do it. Like anything, Jesus? Really? Maybe you say, because I've been asking and asking for healing for a loved one. Or I've been praying for a baby. 
or I've been asking God to provide better housing in my family or, or a new job or I've, whatever the case might be and there's nothing. Where is God in the midst of unanswered prayer? In the past, I've heard like really simplistic answers to this question. Maybe you have too. Like, I've heard people say that God always answers prayer in one of three ways. He says yes, no, or not yet. And I found that satisfied my wrestle with unanswered prayer for, for a long time in my younger years. But, but as I've grown older, as I've even grown in my faith, I'm just not sure it's quite that simplistic. As simple as God saying yes, no, or not yet. I think it's more complex than that. And as much as I would love to get up here and to preach a neat and tidy message on, on unanswered prayer, there is no easy way to understand some of these questions especially ones about sickness and disease and, and suffering and tragedy. That being said, while there are no easy answers, that doesn't mean that there's no answers. Unanswered prayer is something that Christians have been wrestling with for, for generations, for centuries, since the very beginning of the church. And so what I want to do in the next few moments that we have together this morning is I just want to share a few thoughts on how we can make sense of unanswered prayer. Or maybe this, to share some things that we can consider in the midst of our own journeys and dealings with unanswered prayer. I read a few um, different books in the preparation of this talk that I want to share with you. I found them to be especially helpful in wrapping my head around these things. And so there's two specific books. Um, you can get them on Amazon. Um, I don't know if you guys, yeah, there's two books. So there's the one, it's by Jerry Sitzer. It's called When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer. And he's a, a professor of theology, but he experienced uh, the death of his wife, daughter, and mother in a car accident. And so the book is him processing the pain of that and trying to rationalize a good God and what he's experienced. Really powerful read. Um, the other one is, is a book by Pete Gregg. It's called God on Mute. And a really, really approachable read. Really easy. You can read it in just a few sittings. Um, but it, uh, in, in that book, Pete Gregg gives 15 reasons from Scripture that we sometimes wrestle with unanswered prayer, why, why our prayers aren't answered. He gives 15 reasons. and So I'm not going to lay out all 15 for you today. Um, if I were to share everything I have to say about this topic, we would be here till late into the afternoon. <laughs> um, but I do want to share a few. I'm going I'm to give you a top 10 reasons um, that I think we, we struggle. Sometimes our prayers are left unanswered. And so the first reason, we're going to start with some, some easier ones, and then we'll get harder as we go, okay? So the first one is, uh, sometimes our prayers aren't answered simply because of common sense. Some prayers aren't answered uh, because, and, and I put quotes around that last part, because I don't want you to think those are my words. Those are Pete Gregg's words. I would never be so crass. Uh, but some prayers aren't answered because they're just plain stupid. And, and here's an example of this. I think that there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those who keep their gas tanks full, and, uh, or your batteries full if you're a, an electric car person. And then there's those who live life on the edge. And by live life on the edge is you drive and drive and drive until you're literally driving on fumes, okay? Who is in the, let's just do a quick poll. Who's in the category, like you never have less than 50% gas? Yeah, there's some very responsible, you're much better people than me. <laughs> who like, who loves to live life on the edge? Who's like a driving on fumes kind of person? Um, I grew up in southwestern Ontario, and there's a ton of farmland in southwestern Ontario. So you can be driving sometimes between towns, and there can be like, I don't know, 25, sometimes 50 kilometers between towns, let alone gas stations. 
And uh, I remember being like a 16 or 17 year old kid and uh, I was driving my mom's car and uh, I left town with a lot less gas than I probably needed to get from where I was going. And I remember in the middle, like I am far, far, far away from the closest gas station and I just see it like in the red, below the red. And so I just start praying and I start saying, God, would you please send a gas station? Like, could there please be a gas station around this next bend? And I, I knew that road well. I knew there were no gas stations. Like, what was I expecting him to do? Like, just drop a gas station in the middle of a cornfield and have angels doing the, the full serve? Like, sometimes our prayers are just silly, stupid. And, uh, you know, all that to say, sometimes they, they defy common sense. And, and, and it was probably actually, you know, could God have answered that prayer? Yeah, he's all powerful. He could have dropped a gas station there if he wanted to. Would he answer that prayer? Unlikely, <laughs> because it was actually better for me as a 16 or 17 year old kid to have to embarrassingly grab the jerry can and go into town and fill it up with gas and walk all the way back to my car. Some prayers just defy common sense. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for the small things. We should bring all of our prayers before God in, in, in prayer. And, and, and to be honest, when I'm driving on fumes, I still pray for gas stations. <laughs> but if I'm honest, I have yet to see one drop from heaven. Second, some prayers aren't answered because they contradict other prayers. Okay, for example, there's two Christians. Let's just say there's two Christians kind of circling the parking lot at Coquitlam Center. Both of them go to Rail City Campus, okay? Both are Christians. Both are praying for a parking spot near the door. Who should God answer? Or, or today's Super Bowl Sunday. And you know that there are Christians who woke up this morning praying that the 49ers would win. And then there's a whole nother group of Christians who, who've been praying for weeks that the Chiefs would win. Who's going to take it? Does anyone here care? <laughs> Most of the people who care didn't come to church this morning. They're preparing for the game. Um, but, but all that to say, there's contradictions when we pray. Every summer, there's brides who are praying for sunshine while neighboring farmers pray for rain. There are Westerners who are praying, praying that the stock markets would recover while there's, there's a whole other group of people around the world who are praying for a more just and fair distribution of the world's wealth. And again, just because there's contradictions in prayer, it doesn't mean that we should stop praying for the small things in our lives. We should pray for the small things. At the very least, because we can. Like, it's a real privilege to be heard by God and, and, and to bring the things towards him that, that are troubling us. And it's natural for us to ask him for help. Conversation is the mark of any strong relationship, especially conversation about trivial things. And then even sometimes, sometimes God does answer our little trivial prayers with a supernatural response. Okay, next up, the laws of nature. Some prayers aren't answered because they would be detrimental to the world and to the lives of others. Here's what I mean. God, God has established certain governing principles that make life work. Things like gravity and the weather system. And if God did miracles all the time, like every single time we asked him to interfere, if he interfered with these governing principles of life on earth and answered to every single one of our prayers, the effects would actually become quite devastating. Like one person's miracle could actually be devastating to millions of others. And so miracles are much less common than, than we would like to believe. For example, if, if every time there was a storm that was sweeping through and going to be hit land or cities, if God stopped each of those storms when we prayed, that would have massive implications on the earth. For starters, because storms are, are a big part of the earth's cooling system. 
keeping the climate, therefore, and the ecosystem in this delicate balance. But all that to say, some prayers are unanswered because of the laws of nature that God himself put in motion to make the world this beautiful and stable place for billions of people to occupy. Fourthly, some prayers aren't answered because as Paul the Apostle writes in Romans 8, creation is subject to frustration and the earth hasn't fully been liberated from its bondage and decay. In other words, life is just tough. Like life can be so, so difficult at times. And Jesus himself promised that this would happen. He said in John 16, he said, in this life you will have many troubles. Notice he doesn't say you might have troubles. He says, you will have troubles, but he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. See, Jesus is pointing to this reality of, uh, that we live in right now that, that many theologians have referred to as the now and not yet. We're living between two ages, the age that is and the age to come. And in our current age, it's filled with sin and disease and heartache and pain. But then there's also this age to come, this future age, this new heaven and new earth as Revelation talks about one of total healing and peace and unspeakable joy in the presence of God forever. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we actually get to experience the future age in this moment. It's like it's dragged into the present and we see beautiful miracles and restoration and heaven on earth. But we also live in the midst of the age that is, one that is still very much feeling the effects of the fall. Okay, number five. Some prayers aren't answered because God actually has something better for us than we're even praying for. I'd imagine many people in this room have experienced this, where we're praying and praying for something and it hasn't happened. And then you look back years later and you're like, wow, God, thank you so much for not answering that prayer that I was praying. Uh, I think I may have shared this before, um, but in my first year of Bible college, there was this girl that I was, I, was, I, I was praying all the time, like, God, would you please make her like me? Would you please make her like me? Like, please let me marry this girl. And uh, now, 15 years later, I look back and I say, God, thank you so much for not answering that prayer. Like, you know so much more about what, what, what Sam needs, what I need, than 19-year-old Sam thought he needed or even wanted. That's a silly example, but I think you know what I mean. Number six, some prayers, even spiritual-sounding prayers, aren't answered because at their core, they're selfishly motivated. Let's talk about our motives for a second. And, and, and these can be prayers. Sometimes they're prayers for really good things. Um, but, but because of where our heart is at, the, the, the answer to those prayers could actually be so bad for us or for the people around us. James, one of the biblical authors, he writes about this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes what we pray for is actually really good and beautiful, and right, and so in line with the heart of God. But I think he doesn't answer those prayers because of what that answer might do to us. Here's an example. Before coming to, 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 to work and serve here at CA Church, I was in a band. It was called Ark and Ocean. And uh, early on when we started our band, we got a lot of traction very quickly, and uh, songs were, we got some plays, got on some playlists on Spotify and Apple Music and that kind of thing. And so we were really excited, and our friends all around us were like, oh, you guys are awesome, you're so cool. And we really felt that. We felt like we were pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you remember, if anyone ever listened to the Peak Radio, but back in the day they had uh, what was called the Peak Performance Project. And so bands would, uh, it was pretty much a glorified battle of the bands, but they would give $100,000 to the winner. 
And so we're like, oh, we're totally going to try out for the Battle of the Bands. And we felt like we had it in the bag. And so we, we submitted for it. And uh, the day that they were going to announce the winner, I woke up that morning. And I felt like I sensed God say, like, you're not going to get in. And I remember wrestling with that. And I'm like, okay, why not? Is it a character thing? Because we we, there's eight hours between now and when they announce. We can work this thing out. And I, I really sensed that what God was saying is, no, if you get it, this is actually going to destroy you. This would actually be so bad for you. And so we didn't get in. And now I look at that unanswered prayer and I say, God, you, you were there in the midst of that, that, that you knew my motives, that my pride and some of these things that had grown so much in that season of being in that band I would, have, would have actually taken me out, would have been so bad for me and for the people around me. Number seven, free will. Some prayers aren't answered because God won't force a person to do something that they don't want to do. See, a lot of our prayers, a lot of my prayers, are that God would override another person's will. Think about prayers that we have, even for like a wandering friend or loved one. Think about the prayers that I pray, I pray for my brother who's walked away from faith. And that's not a bad thing to do. We should pray for our loved ones who don't yet know Jesus. We should pray for those who are lost and wandering. And I absolutely believe that when we pray, God is at work in the midst of their lives and, and, and is doing work in the background when we pray. But the thing is, God will, will rarely, if ever, override a person's will. How come? Well, because God is love. And love requires the freedom to choose. See, it's not that God can't override a person's will. Of course he can. He's sovereign and in control of all things. Listen, no matter what you believe about God and his sovereignty and how human will fits into all of that, what is absolutely clear all throughout scripture is that the kingdom of God is not a dictatorship. Satan is the one who controls and who manipulates and dominates with force. God is one who, who influences and romance as he woos us towards himself and relationship with him. And so some prayers, I think, remain unanswered because God has given us few, humans, he's given us free will, the freedom to choose, and we don't always choose well. That leads to the eighth possible reason for unanswered prayer, and that's sin. Some prayers aren't answered because of even areas of disobedience in our own hearts and lives. Now, I think we need to be really careful on this one because I've seen this one abused in the church before. It is never our place to make claims that other people are experiencing their hardships and what they're going through, or the pain, their current situation because of sin in their lives. I have a friend who was going through some really bad uh, health challenges and this self-proclaimed prophet told him that he was sick because of unconfessed sin in his life. And I just remember it was, it was so distressing for him because he was trying to follow God. Like he was doing everything he could to walk humbly before God. And this put this, this burden on him. And it robbed him of experiencing the grace that God has on offer amidst our imperfections. It is never our place to judge another person's motives or to make blanket statements about why they are or aren't in their current situation. But as we look at our own hearts, I think we always want to bring those things before the Lord and say, search my heart, O oh God. Like, know if there is anything in me and lead me in the way everlasting. James, one of the biblical authors, he wrote that, he said, we should confess our sin one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed. There seems to be this link between the confession of sin 
and the receiving of healing of any kind, whatever that healing looks like. 1 Peter 3.7, Peter's talking to husbands in this passage of scripture, and he says this, he says, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So apparently there seems to be, there seems to be a link between the, the way we, that we treat other people, the way that a husband treats his wife and cares and honors and loves her, it seems to have direct implications on our prayer lives. So let's keep short accounts with God and, and, and regularly confess our sin before him and one another. And remember that as we confess our sins to him, he is a loving father. Think about the prodigal son. He's a loving father with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. Okay. Another thing that's at play in the midst of unanswered prayer is spiritual warfare. Some prayers aren't answered because God's will is being directly contested by what Ephesians 6.12 calls the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, the Bible is, is chocked full of talk about the, the spiritual realm. And we're actually going to do a class as a church. On Tuesday night, we, we run classes. And, and so there's one coming up on February 27th, talking specifically about angels and demons and spiritual warfare. So I'm going to say very little about this one here today. I'm just going to encourage you, if you want to lean, lean in more, go to that class. But here's what I do want to say. There is so much more going on around us than what we see and what we can, what we can see with our human eyes. There is a very real spiritual world, unseen world. And that's not something that should scare us. As Christians, we can rest in the fact that Jesus is, is Lord of it all. He's won the war. The end of the story is secure, and we're on the winning team. That being said, in the meantime, <laughs> there is still a very real spiritual battle that's at play. And, and the reality is that does have implications on our prayer lives. And then number 10 is faith. Some prayers aren't answered because, quite frankly, maybe we don't believe that they will be answered. The Bible has lots to say about faith, and even Jesus himself talks a lot about it all through the four Gospels. And when I say faith, I'm not talking about faith in a prosperity gospel kind of way, like name it and claim it kind of thing. But in Scripture, it, it does, there seems to be this link between our faith and, and how it moves the hand of God. Between our faith and, and then receiving what we ask for. Now again, I want to define faith and be careful here. When I say faith, I'm simply talking about taking God at his word. Saying, God, you say this. You said this in scripture. And I actually believe that you meant it. Like you said these things, Lord. I actually believe that you want to heal and move in power. You know, I found in my own life, and I've seen this in the lives of others around me as well, that sometimes when I go to pray for people, I start with this massive list of disclaimers. <laughs> like I'll pray and I'll say, okay, God, before we pray for this person, I want to say your will be done. And if you don't want to heal this person today, all good. And I trust that healing will happen in your timing or even on the other side of eternity. And so just bless this person. Amen. Sometimes we don't even ask for healing. Sometimes we don't actually ask for God. To, and I love that heart posture, that submission to God, that trust in him and his will. But also, like, where's the faith? God actually can and wants to intervene, wants to heal. And as we spent the last 25 minutes talk, talking about, there, there's all sorts of things that are at play that could prevent our prayers from being answered as we cry out to him. But we can, we can be confident of this, that God is a good father who desires good things for his kids. And he invites us to ask for whatever it is that we need. 
for whatever it is that's on our heart and to ask with boldness. Okay, maybe I'll give one more. This is a bonus 11th, right? It's not on the slides, but here's the reality. Some prayers actually just require perseverance. Some prayers just haven't been answered yet. And whether your prayers are being resisted by a mysterious spiritual force or by stubborn people and their free will or whatever the case might be, just don't stop. Keep at it. Jesus tells this this beautiful parable in in Luke chapter 18. uh, It's called the persistent widow. And he talks about this widow who just keeps coming before the judge and just keeps asking and asking and asking, keeps bringing her needs, her petitions before the judge. And eventually she gets what she asked just because she didn't stop. She kept after it. She refused to give up, and, and, and despite the seemingly unanswered prayer, what would it, what would it do for, for us as a community if we just committed to be those kind of people who continued to ask, who continued to bring those things before the Lord, trusting him that he's going to move as he's going to move, understanding, okay, there's lots at play around us, but continuing to come before him and saying, God, you know our hearts and our desires. Would you move on our behalf? and then trusting him with the outcome. Okay, as we wrap up, I just want to say this. It's one thing to understand unanswered prayer, like cognitively. We've talked about some different things that are at play in the midst of unanswered prayer, and, and I hope that that's helpful. But I also recognize that it's a whole other thing to experience it, to live through it. And regardless of what's going on in the background, free will and motivations and spiritual warfare and all the rest of it, knowing those things are not unanswered prayer is still painful, isn't it? And so I want to end where we started with Psalm 22. See, those words from David, the psalmist, those are actually the same words that Jesus himself would pray from the cross many, many, many years later. We're actually going to launch a a series on this next week as we prepare our hearts for Lent. But Jesus prays those same words from verse 1 that David cried out to God. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These feelings of, of abandonment and anguish that David felt as he encountered unanswered prayer. Jesus felt those those same things as he hung up on the cross. Did you know that Jesus himself experienced unanswered prayer? as he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he begged the father, like, would you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, Jesus was saying like, father, please don't make me go through this. Is there another way than the cross? And yet as he submitted to the will of the father, the cross still came. And here's why I bring this up. Here's why I think this is significant to our conversation on unanswered prayer. Because we serve a God who doesn't only understand our pain, who doesn't only understand the challenges of unanswered prayer, but but one who experienced it. Like he actually experienced it. He knows what it's like to be in intense anguish and physical pain, to be betrayed by a friend who should have had his back. Experienced feelings of abandonment. He cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that same Jesus who hung up on the cross, he promises that in the midst of our suffering, that he will never leave us. He cares so deeply about what we're walking through. 
And so my encouragement for you this morning is if, you, if you're experiencing a season, maybe an extended season even of unanswered prayer, my encouragement is don't let the silence drive you away. Hold tight to a God who promises that he is close to the brokenhearted. He loves you. He loves you so, so deeply. There's this scene um, from, the, from one of the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. It's the magician's nephew. Actually, the band, you guys can come up. We'll move into singing in just a moment. But in that novel, The, the Magician's Nephew, um, there's, this, there's this lead character, Diggory. And he approaches Aslan with this question. His mother is dying of this incurable disease. And so, so when this little boy finds himself accidentally in this magical world called Narnia, he approaches Aslan to see if there might be a cure that he could offer for his mother. Something like a magical fruit that he could take back into his world and make her well. And so Diggory, he, he nervously waits for the right moment to, to come to Aslan. And at one point, he finally works up the courage to ask. And so he goes to Aslan, lump in his throat and tears in his eyes, and he blurts out his request. And what he receives from Aslan in that moment is, is silence. Complete silence. And I want to read an excerpt from the book. Remember, Diggory has made his request, and he's waiting. He's hoping, he's praying that Aslan will grant his request. And so after this unbearably long silence, Diggory says these words. But please, please won't you? Can't you give something that will cure mother? C.S. Lewis goes on to write. He says, up until then, he had been looking to the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now, in his despair, he looked up at his face. What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own that for a moment he felt if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother's death than he was. So if you're walking through unanswered prayer in some area of your life today, man, I hope that, that what you would hear today is that Jesus sees you, that Jesus hears you, and that he actually cares about what you're walking through. And, and I know that if you could look into his face like Diggory looked into Aslan's face, that if you could look into his face in the midst of your prayers and your crying out and your worry and your frustration and your sorrow, that what you would see is his eyes that are filled with tears, filled with compassion. Our God is a God who weeps with the brokenhearted, who cried at the funeral of his friend Lazarus because this is not the way it was meant to be. So if you heard nothing else today, I pray that you would leave this place knowing that Jesus cares for you. And while I can't promise that your suffering is gonna to come to an end on this side of eternity, I can promise that for those who are in Christ, there is a future hope. There is a hope on the horizon. And that day is coming. This day is coming where everything that's wrong with the world will become untrue where pain and sorrow and disease and suffering will be eradicated once and for all. One day, Jesus is going to make all things new. And until that day comes, let's continue to ask. 
and, inter- and ask him to come and to intervene, ask him to move. And let's surround one another in the midst of pain and sorrow, knowing that one day all things will be made new. Amen? Let me pray and then we'll respond in just a moment. Lord, I pray for those who are in this room and right now are in the midst of pain and sorrow and confusion and hurt and brokenness. And Jesus, I pray that you would be so close to them, that they would experience your presence and your love like they never have before. And God, we bring all of the needs that are represented in this room before you. And we say, God, would you move? Would you do the seemingly impossible? Would you bring healing to relationships that are broken? Would you touch sick bodies and minds? So we look to the, to the future knowing that there is hope because you love us and because you are with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.